0: You are listening to Serve, Protect, Lead, a podcast from the International Association of Chiefs of Police, where you will hear from IACP leadership and police leaders across the globe, sharing wisdom, insight, and perspective.
1: Welcome to part two of a two-part conversation, Inside the Congregation Beth Israel Hostage Taking, a discussion with Chief Michael Miller of the Colleyville, Texas Police Department, and special agent in charge of the FBI's Dallas field office, Matthew DeSarno. I'm Vincent Tolucci, IACP's executive director and chief executive officer. SAC DeSarno, I'm going to wrap a couple questions that we, things we've talked about into this next question. Um, so what contributed to the successful resolution of this incident and what can local law enforcement do to prepare, particularly agencies of a similar size and demographic to Colleyville PD? And I... I'd love for you to touch on uh, a couple things. One, Chief Miller mentioned that relationship dynamic, um, where there's a you know preconception of what the relationship's going to be like between the agency and the FBI. Um, but also, would love to hear you speak about when that transition happened from um, dispatcher to negotiator as well, regarding the successful resolution and working with an agency.
0: Uh, so, you know, I would say, um, you know, what what was certainly critical to successful resolution was the ability of the initial dispatchers, and then in the, in the first hour and a half, two hours, and then the ability of the negotiation team, which as Chief Miller mentioned, one voice on the phone all day, um, but a whole team of support creating strategy, working through uh, communication, uh, language, um, helping that negotiator uh, stay in a place where he was adding value that, 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 the ability of that negotiation team to keep that situation highly dangerous, highly volatile situation to a level of a low simmer for a long period of time, then allowed us to also uh, create operational advantages through delivery of food, delivery of medication, you know, the, um, the ability that we had to log, we logged into the ADT camera system, which gave us you know, 65% visual awareness of, of the area where uh, both the hostage taker and the hostages were. Um, the rabbi himself did a great job of keeping himself on a camera all the time. Uh, the, the hostage taker did a pretty good job of keeping himself off cameras all the time, but it, it did enable us to create a good tactical plan. And we had a good, we had enough time to bring the hostage rescue experts you know, the the most world-class hostage rescue team uh, in the world into halfway across the country, into the area, um, to be in a position to to make a successful resolution. We also had good audio coverage. um, Because of the live stream that started, uh, we were ultimately able to identify that there was also a live Zoom going. uh, So when the live stream was cut off, uh, we were able to keep the Zoom up and then also control who was on the Zoom. So we had, um, I would say, a good 70% audio and video situational awareness of what was happening inside. So when, when it, that gave us the high, high enough level of confidence that we knew where the hostage taker generally was, and we had good idea throughout where the hostages were, uh, sometimes more than others. Um, but that confidence combined with the confidence that I had in the team, um, in the, the multiple teams, all the tactical teams that work throughout the day, my tactical team that was on the perimeter at the end, and then the hostage rescue team, really made a, what was a grave serious decision to execute a deliberate hostage rescue, uh, gave me the confidence to, to feel good about that decision when we made it.
1: Uh, again, appreciate the insight, SAC DeSarno and, and, and wrapping all those things into, into that answer. Um, a lot of lessons learned there. Um, Chief Miller, what did your agency do to communicate with the community and the families of the hostages while the incident was ongoing? Uh, do you have any recommendations for local agencies that may find themselves in a similar situation? And I know we, we, um, SCC Desarno referred, uh, to referred the, to the victim services, um, unit that was stood up. Can you, can you talk about other, uh, other ways that you were communicating uh, with the community?
2: Clear communication is key in, in a crisis situation like this and the public is, is demanding it. Um, and so we, we, We understood that from the beginning, and our job uh, from the beginning was to try to communicate as often as we could, which we determined probably about once every hour we were going to communicate with the community, regardless of whether we had any information to share, any new information to share. Sharing that information proactively, uh, keeping them uh, fed with information, actually keeps people from calling into dispatch. Uh, As we talked a little bit earlier, dispatch was absolutely overwhelmed between the calls from the media, talking to the rabbi and uh, the hostage taker, uh, dispatching and, and managing all of the units that were showing up on scene, making, they were facilitating calls to another rabbi up in New York. And, uh, you know, they were the ones taking all the demands early on. And they're still providing services to the other two communities that they support, South Lake and Keller. And in the middle of all of this, they actually had a structure fire in one of the other cities. And so, um, you know anything that we could do to take that call load off of the dispatchers, we were trying to do. Um, we used every kind of method you could think of. Uh, we used social media, so the police department has Facebook page, Instagram, and Twitter. We used our website. We used Code Red, which we uh, sent out a Code Red message, basically saying, uh, you know, there's SWAT activity in this area, uh, this block number on this street, uh, and uh, residences surrounding this are being evacuated, please avoid the area. Uh, and then we also used our local media as we provided them information. We did uh, a number of press releases as we were going through the day and so that kind of helped to uh, to manage that. I think um, key here is the, the minute uh, our PIO uh, got on scene and the minute the FBI uh, PIO got on scene, they were married up and co-located in an office that was uh, right off of the EOC. And we also paired them up. Uh, they were right next to some of our city officials that were there helping and our city PIO was also there with them. And so they kind of worked together and coordinated things uh, throughout the day. Uh, w- one key learning for me was is to cross-train your personnel. I mean it's it's the uh, you know it's inevitable that something's gonna happen. Uh, When one of these things hits, but my PIO, who and a longtime PIO, PIO who's handled our duties for years, uh, was out of town traveling that day, and so luckily we had a sergeant, uh, Dare Nelson, who had been trained. uh, She's been to PIO school and she had some experience and some press releases and other things that we have done throughout the year. And so that day uh, she was field promoted to the PIO, and she she did a phenomenal job. But having someone with that training uh and that and some uh minimal experience was extremely helpful in helping us through that. Um, the the other learning point that I have regarding that is that, you know, we're a mid-sized agency, as I said, and while SAC DeSarno talked about their victim specialist capability, we we have victims assistance roles in our police department, but they're handled as an ancillary duty by a sworn uh, law enforcement person. And, And this person was out of town too. And so that day we, we actually needed almost every sworn personnel that we have on the, on the docket uh, to uh, respond to the incident or to back up our patrol folks uh, or to be ready to, uh, to deploy uh, on the, during the next shift. And so we're, we were absolutely lucky and uh, blessed that the FBI brought their victim specialist personnel out there uh, because they, we, we had some folks in the EOC and we had folks that were there. Uh, with the families. And so uh, during the event, from time to time, the hostages were communicating with family members. And so uh, it was crucial to have that communication link from the family members uh, to the command center. And so uh, those uh, victim specialists provided that connectivity back into the EOC. And so, um, you know, the uh, the last thing that I'll cover here is that um, and and we need to explore this a little more, which we will uh, in our after action. But we we had one family member of uh, one of the hostages who called into dispatch, and I think due to the overwhelming workload, there just really wasn't vetted, um, and and was never told about where the um, where the victims' families could go um, for reunification, uh, where the victim specialists were located, and she was expecting a call back and never got a call back and so um you know I think it was definitely not intentional but it was uh, due to the the workload and so many tasks uh, that our, our dispatchers were doing at the time that it got dropped and so that's critical um, because that you know that's a that, that's a family member of, of one of the victims that we um, mishandled and so we'll look at that very carefully to see how we keep that from happening next time
1: no, definitely an item for uh, an after-action report. And appreciate the perspective on maximizing your communi- communication conduits, cross-training, um, co-locating those PIOS, and it leads me to um, uh, our our next and unfortunately our last question. We could have this conversation for for hours, um, but a question for both of you, um, and particularly given the the sensitivity of the the uh, situation, the. Um, uh, the self-deployment of um, engaged, interested community members and politicians. What tips or lessons learned can you offer for working with the media during an incident such as this one? Uh, and SADC, Desarno, I'll ask you to go first.
0: Certainly. Thanks for the question, Vince. You know, as Chief Miller mentioned, our PIOs were were all day engaging with with the media, and uh, and that was helpful for us because we didn't we didn't have to do that. Um, no, I think uh, at the resolution of the incident, and I, I think m- maybe just to um, for this audience, in case they haven't seen some of the more recent media about how the how the situation resolved, I, c- I can cover that very briefly, and then and then get back to your question. But you know, as the hours continue to pass and Akram's behavior changed, he wasn't as communicative with the negotiators. He became combative. He issued ultimatums and deadlines. And as as Chief Miller and I and our leadership teams. Uh, were making the assessment that the situation was declining. The rabbi Charlie and his and his uh, and the other hostages were making that same assessment, right? So nearly simultaneously, uh, they used that fight and run portion of run hide fight. Uh, they did it as as Chief Miller mentioned by the book. Got themselves out of the northeast entrance while the hostage rescue team that had already been authorized uh, to conduct a deliberate hostage rescue entered. Were entering. We're moving towards the south and west entrances of the building because of the situational awareness, we had a good idea of where the hostages were located, which enabled, which meant that the south and west entrances were the best places to breach the building. Uh, the hostages came out, um, ran directly to uh, the FBI Dallas SWAT team. The HRT continued moving and conducted uh, and conducted the assault. So it was very close to simultaneous. Um, a lot of a lot of things lined up, and uh, and we were successful. Now, my goal, and Chief Miller and I talked about this before we went out there, uh, but because there was so much media interest in the situation and it had been resolved, we were still not completely, we knew that it had been resolved. We knew that the hostages were alive. We knew the status of the subject. Um, We didn't, at the time, have all that detailed information, but we thought it was important to tell the public through the media what we could right and in all these situations and many chiefs have been through this and people listening probably have have encountered this you know what we want to do is obviously if we have if we have deceased seriously injured victims or victims in general we want to have we want to be talking about the victims right Um, the media wants to talk about the subject we want to talk to the public about the status of the victims Uh, the media still wants to talk about the subject we want to talk to the public about whether or not there are known ongoing threats to the community or a subset of the community um, and then we want to provide information, accurate information, as quickly as possible, that will not jeopardize the investigation. So our goals, um, and then and then we frequently like to provide um, kudos to partners and and demonstrate uh, our appreciation for everyone who who did the work uh, that resulted in in the in the end of, of a successful resolution in this instance. Um, and the media still wants to talk about the subject, right? That's what they want to talk about. But we're not talking to the media. We're talking to the public through the media. So, um, you know, it was my specific intention not to um, give the convicted terrorist who is in prison just a few miles away any additional notoriety. Um, You know, the Facebook live stream had already provided some of that uh, early on to the public. Uh, So I didn't want to do that. And I was hoping and my intention was to provide some level of comfort uh, to the broader Jewish community that we did not see at least we had not at that point seen any broader threats that this specific subject was singularly focused on the release of that prisoner. Um, You know I think we've done a good job since then of being much more clear about that but you know for instance um, I did not disclose at that point which I did know that the subject was a UK citizen and I think that was critical because it enabled my partners in the UK uh, to work for about 48 hours on that problem, without the Daily Mail and Telegraph and other UK media outlets and other US media outlets um, running out ahead of them and trying to identify uh, all of his associates in the UK, right? So that's a kind of a tangible reason why, early on in investigations, we don't want to talk a whole lot about the subject, even if the subject is deceased. Um, but bottom line is, you know, uh, the the. I think it is important to share with the public as much information as you can, uh, as quickly as you can, and then um, you know just be as accurate as possible. And then if if you uh, take some rounds for that later, I still would do it again because I think it. I think the public needed to know that night what the resolution was, and I think the public needed to know that night that we didn't see ongoing threats.
1: Thank you, SEC Discernment Chief Miller.
2: So. You know, from my perspective, uh, interesting. The, we went from zero to hundred mile, hundred miles an hour in the course of a few hours. Um, I mean, our folks were inundated with media calls and emails. The media was was really trying to um, contact anyone in the organization that would get back to them, and so they were reaching out to anyone and everyone. Uh, you know, at a in a, with an international event like this. Uh, yeah, stakes are high and there's lots of interest. Um, you know, we, we, we did try to respond to every single request that we got from the media, even if we couldn't provide them information, we wanted them to know that we got their information. Um, as I said before, since this um, morphed pretty quickly into an FBI uh, international terrorism investigation, uh, you know, we had to coordinate anything that we released um, together. And so, um, you know, our teams worked uh, very closely together in all of that. Uh, from a lessons learned perspective, uh, we made the decision early on, um, even before we, I wouldn't say it's before we called out our federal partners, but it was, um, and by the way, I I, uh, I got a call from my assistant chief and then I got in the car and headed to the office and I called uh, the FBI as well uh, it, before I even got to the office. So they were they were definitely getting multiple calls but right uh, after that you know one of the things you do as a police chief is to look for um, a media staging area and the things you think about are you want line-of-sight to that location but you don't want them to be in harm's way you also don't want them into in the area where they're um, co-mingling with operational resources and those kind of things um so we chose the Good Shepherd Catholic Church which was um, just north of the location on the same on Pleasant Run Road. We're um, we didn't really plan for it uh, from the beginning we we actually thought it was a good location. It turned out to be a great location uh, because of the amount of media interest that uh, that began to swell over the time period over the 12 hours that this went on. Uh, we're thankful for a large parking lot where lots of media could um, could could park, and a large area that was set up for us to do our first press conference. Um, you know that had sometimes we actually say uh, the media staging area is going to be at the intersection of this street and that street. Uh, had we done that, uh, it just would have been overwhelming the number of media that showed up, and it would have we would have had to change plans. So. You know, thinking through those things uh, and and early on, and making decisions with the with that criteria um, will be helpful for the next um, chief who's in this uh, in this position. The uh, the last thing I'd like to add is while I talked about uh, how great a job that our sergeant did or who stepped in as PIO, um, what what she didn't have uh, is existing relationships with the media. And so, you know, while I don't think that uh, detracted from anything that we did that day, I think, I think the FBI had those personal contacts as well. Um, some of our city, uh, our city PIO had some contacts and personal relationships, but um, you know, that was a deficit uh, by selecting somebody new that wasn't uh, involved in our local PIO organizations and wasn't involved in building those relationships with the media.
1: Thank you, Chief Miller. Um, I just capture something both of you just said in that section, um, and you just hit the nail on the head, Chief Miller. In terms of practical, helpful tips for you know chiefs in the area, um, the chiefs that are listening to this podcast, um, that's the focus of of why we're having this conversation today. Um, the practical location of a meeting stage, meeting uh, media staging area is key. Um, and some things you may not think about until it's time. I think it's an important piece of pre-planning. Um, but also, SAC DeSarno, um, the, the important differentiation between uh, talking to the media versus talking to the public via the media is a really, really valuable lesson and appreciate that very much. And again, um, as I mentioned before this question, uh, we could have this conversation for many hours, uh, but you've been both very generous with your time uh, and your perspective first on behalf of IECP. Uh, we applaud um, the bravery of all responders that day, and I cannot thank you both enough uh, for sharing this experience with our IACP members, particularly in such close currency to the incident. Uh, any final thoughts to share? And I will I will start with you, Chief Miller. Any final thoughts to share?
2: I would just go back to my original uh, point, which has kind of been the learning uh, for us. Uh, the main point, which is Relationships do matter. Um, Relationships matter in the community. Uh, We need to be, as police executives and police officers, we need to be part of that community. We need to be not separate from. We need to be building those relationships um, with our community members and with our faith-based organizations and our businesses and our residents. We also, at the same time, need to be building those relationships with our partner organizations, um, school districts, uh, law enforcement, local, state, and federal.
1: Thank you, Chief Miller. Important lessons there. S.A.C. Desarno.
0: I, I would just uh, I would just reiterate. You know, um, departments of all sizes uh, can certainly benefit from uh, um, working closely with the FBI and other federal partners. In this instance, uh, you know, there were two communities of operators who made a huge difference. Uh, Obviously, in addition to the tactical work, but the negotiators and then the bomb techs. We ultimately did not find explosives, but they were they they had we still had to clear uh, clear that entire place. So, both in in ne- crisis negotiations and in the bomb tech community, you know that's an area where all FBI field offices have tremendous resources, and all of the, our negotiators and our bomb techs spend a good deal of time with their local partners, and most of those most of those areas have formed regional teams uh, and they are highly capable. And so regardless of the size of the department, you know, if you have an explosive problem or or a need for negotiations, you know, you can have your own, you can certainly leverage the regional assets that are there and typically kind of based out of that FBI field office. So please don't hesitate to ask for that. And then the last thing is early on in crises, a lot of people are asking, what do you need, what do you need? and a lot of times you don't know what you need and that's okay. But, you know, when I'm calling a chief on the way to a crisis many times here, that's that's the answer and that's a fine answer, right? We we get on the ground and try to assess what is needed here and then try to bring those resources as quickly as possible to the crisis. So, um, you know, I think that don't feel bad if I don't know what I need right now,
2: that's the right answer, right? We'll figure it out. Thanks, Vince. Vince, can I add Great. a point to that real quick? Absolutely. So, I I think um, S.A.C. Desarno, he's modest. Um, you know, obviously, he's not going to talk about himself. But I I just wanted to say, lots of the success can be placed um, specifically on the very bold and quick decisions that he made that day. Um, and so, it it takes a bold leader sometimes and somebody who's not afraid to make that decision quickly even if you have imperfect information. Uh, He made some decisions that minimize the wait time that that, uh, resources were put to this problem. So very quickly he he got out to the scene, um, probably within 30 to 45 minutes of him getting the call, he was there. Uh, He made a call quickly to put the to call in all of these resources that we've talked about uh, from the from the FBI local field office, he put the hostage rescue team on standby, uh, and eventually activated the the hostage rescue team, and it all set up uh, these assets which have a huge lead time. Sometimes it set it up so that they were able to um, to you know be on scene on problem uh, actually planning and, and uh, then ultimately at, at 9.13, taking action to uh, safely resolve the situation. So I just wanted to, to make sure that you guys knew that. Uh, also from the pers- perspective of a chief, uh, I'm, a, I'm a chief who used to work for the FBI. And so I had seen inside uh, all of this capability that came from Quantico, but it's a different perspective when you're calling the Bureau and you're depending on those resources to help with a problem that's in your community. And so we're um, we're thankful for all of our partners and we're, uh, I was amazed. they The FBI had 182 personnel uh, actually on this particular incident throughout. And so um, our hats off to the Bureau, our hats off to all of our partners, and we couldn't thank you enough for helping us uh, safely resolve the issue.
1: And- Chief Miller, that's a fantastic way to close this podcast and appreciate that perspective very much. Uh, Chief Michael Miller and Special Agent in Charge Matthew DeSarno, thanks again to both of you for your leadership and for sharing your perspective and insight with us today. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Vince. Thanks for the kind words, Chief.
1: Thank you, guys.